0: everyone welcome back to the podcast so today i chat with the beautiful jenny percy so jenny is an online coach and her name on instagram is jenny p fit she also has um her own podcast as well which i'll share all the details of in the show notes but what we talk about in today's episode is really really deep and really really personal to her and i think it's a really really valuable conversation that um a lot of you will take a lot of value from whether it is with your own relationship with food or whether you have um children or daughters um who that you worry about growing up with positive relationships with their bodies and with food this is definitely one to listen to so we talk about jenny's experience of her own eating disorder so jenny was hospitalized at age 14 uh, with anorexia she tells her story through this podcast so we start the podcast with a little bit of conversation around how she coaches people now now that she is um, a coach she works with people on their physique but also their relationship with food which are two kind of contrasting um contrasting ideas and usually quite hard to balance so usually if people are working towards an extreme physique their relationship with food goes down the toilet and then if you're working with your relationship with food it's not usually possible to to focus on that on getting that ridiculously lean and she talks a little bit how to try and balance both of those and how it's okay to work towards uh, physique goals and also keep your relationship with food healthy so then we kind of go on and we talk a lot about emotional eating disordered eating binge eating so if you're someone that struggles with binge eating listen to this episode and it was really interesting to listen to the contrast between um kind of disordered eating patterns and how mealtimes are such a struggle for someone who finds it difficult to eat and has to make a conscious effort to eat at each meal the same way some of us that struggle with not being able to control how much we eat that it that mealtimes are a constant struggle the other end as well um and that was a really interesting way to kind of view things um and then jenny is 22 years old so i i talked to her a little bit about her perspective on what it was like to grow up with social media and the effects that media and social media had with her relationship with her body and her relationship with food, which led to her eating disorder. Um, And her she talks a lot about how comparison has such a huge impact on young people when it comes to this. And make sure you stick through to the end because we talk a bit in, so the first 20 minutes or so, we kind of are talking about general things. We get into her story then. and Then we talk a little bit about what, potentially caused or triggered her eating disorder and then at the very end of the podcast we wrap it up with her just talking about her recovery from her eating disorder so make sure to listen to the end because I think we really she really kind of nails the head hit nails the head hits the nail on the head at the very end of um the podcast and um it wraps up really nicely so I really hope you enjoyed this episode um, as much as I did
1: Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Kate. It's such a pleasure to be on
0: the podcast. I am so excited to chat today. Um, So I will have talked about you a bit in the intro, but in your own words, do you want to just give everyone a little bit of a recap about you, your background, and what you're all about?
1: Yeah, so hello everyone. Um, My name is Jenny, um, or some people go by Jen. um, on Instagram, my name is Jenny P Fish, so you might know me from, from there. Um, I am 22 years old from Tipperary in Ireland, anyone who's not listening, um, from Ireland. Um, and I am an online coach and I work mainly with females who are trying to improve their relationship with food and body, um, but also help people achieve, um, like physique goals too because I think you know you can definitely work on the two I think there's I speak about this a good bit like on my page but I think there's kind of in the fitness industry it's like you either have to pick one or the other and I don't believe that that's the case um I think you can definitely you know achieve fat loss and work on your relationship with food sometimes one may need to um be put on pause but you know, I definitely do think there's, there's space to do the two. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I do at the minute. I just finished college as well, and I did speech and language therapy. So, um, that's not something I'm working in at the minute, maybe in the future, I actually don't know. Um, and I suppose the reason I got into coaching was mainly kind of due to my past so when I was 14 I was diagnosed with anorexia um, and since then have fully recovered from that and and have gone through you can imagine quite a, a few difficult years um with like therapy and in and out of hospital and things like that so I've learned a lot along the way and I suppose I just kind of have this passion to help other people obviously I'm not qualified to help people with like you know clinical eating disorders but there's definitely a spectrum of you know normal eating and disordered eating um and a lot of people aren't clinically bad enough I don't want to say bad enough but you know yeah. to access that support so I suppose that's where coaches like myself will come in and help people who have a little bit of disordered eating okay it's not a full-blown mental health issue but it's still impacting their life um, So yeah, that's kind of a a very mixed up <laughs> overview of of me.
0: No, I'm so excited. Like, there's so many different areas I want to dive into, yeah. and I'm really really excited to talk to you about it because it's going to be such a different kind of slant to what I talk about. Yeah. So because I'm a 37 year old coach with uh, three kids, and you know have diff have different experiences, and di- you know and um. A very different lifestyle obviously to you at the minute so it's it's going to be really interesting the first thing I wanted to just that I heard you talk about there was like as we we will talk a little bit about disordered eating eating disorders um, yeah. in a little while but is what you said about working with people for physique goals and you work with them with their relationship with food yeah. and how it doesn't have to be one or the other yeah. because it's funny this is something that like I would very much work with people on Their relationship with food
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: my I would very much preach that you know getting really lean is not worth the cost yeah in my opinion and that I like to kind of air out very much what is involved in getting really lean Mm -hmm. like when we're talking physique goals for photo shoots or whether it's bodybuilding shows or whether it's just trying to keep really lean all year Mm -hmm. round that people are looking at this on Instagram they're looking at it on the internet and they're like I want to look like that Mm -hmm. um but people don't realize the actual lifestyle sacrifices that go into it um, and the amount of work that goes into it. So I tend to be very, you know, like pro let's get to a healthy weight and find that we can maintain and let's not go down that route. Like I I, I wouldn't work with people going down that route because it's not my area of expertise. And myself personally, I find when I get really lean, I get a little bit obsessed with trying to keep it. And then I end more so when I try and get back to my regular healthy habits, I feel anxious that I'm not as lean as I was. Yeah. So yeah. um, that's that's my opinion. So I would really love to hear like how you manage that and how you manage that relationship with food um, when you're working with people kind of on body composition goals.
1: Yeah, so I think like such an interesting point as you said like when when we do get to this like level of extreme leanness it's very difficult when you come out of that because you're constantly going to compare yourself to your smaller body you know um and that's why I believe that like people who do photo shoots and bodybuilding competitions they have a they do have a warped perception of their size because they've they've achieved this level of leanness that's their body essentially should have never been there you know like it's obviously just for there's one goal one purpose I know that people you know, do it they stay very lean for a short space of time and then gain the weight back but you'll always you'll always think oh I was way smaller and I was you know I used to be leaner but you you should have never been that lean you know that's my question so like I, I would see
0: you know I'd be around a lot of bodybuilders and like that you see them really lean when they get ready for the show and they yeah. and they look tired and the ener- their energy is so low and yeah. they like they look like zombies to be honest yeah. like their bodies may look great but they're like their faces are gone they're wrecked yeah. and then the rest of the year like they're bulking like mostly yeah. or they or they've had a really bad rebound and they're puffy and they're yeah. you know like it's my thing is are they actually
1: happy Yeah, I know. And it's, it's a really weird one. And I think I definitely do think there are people who bodybuild and have a healthy relationship with it. But I know that a lot of people who do it, it's kind of disordered eating, socially acceptable. You know, like, it's like, I know there's been studies done that like, I think it's seventy percent of bikini competitors are like quote unquote recovered anorexics or something like yeah. along the lines of that. Yeah, so yeah like- that
0: there's a very close correlation to both. Ooh. And like, because it's it's I haven't spoken to um, a lot of female bodybuilders, hmm. and like I would be interested to kind of learn more. But I know that probably the healthiest bodybuilder mindset that I've heard so far will probably be Troy Sutton. I inter- I interviewed him there a, a few weeks back. Do you know, Troy
1: i've heard of him I think I should... J
0: Fitness. yeah he's um you'd know, you'd know him on tiktok or instagram yeah. but um like he's only he's only 19 20 yeah. I think he's young like and he kind of he won a teenage bodybuilding but he's very much like okay he's now on a bulk for the next two years to yeah. to build muscle and um just seems to have a, his head screwed on with it and is finds it quite easy to stay lean all year yeah. round because it's how he is and what he does but then there's other people that are depriving and depriving and they're miserable and they're and then they feel like they need a binge and yeah
1: yeah Yeah, no it's very difficult because obviously everyone has different genetics too so some people will naturally be able to sit a little bit leaner um and it not affect their quality of life but then you have the other people which is mostly women because we have to we, we need extra body fat compared to men you know so Most women won't comfortably sit at that level of leanness and be functioning in everyday life. And the thing about it is, when you're that lean, you're so preoccupied with food and with weight because essentially your body is like, wants to gain weight. It's very hungry. And so you're going to, everything you like, you're just obsessed with food. And people think it's like normal to be thinking about food all day, every day. It's not. and you probably know that as well yourself, Kate, when when like if you do ever get to a lean stage, like you're kind of just obsessing about food for no reason, you know, and constantly thinking of when I need to eat again. And I suppose I know we were kind of chatting about um, how like you can work on your relationship with food and achieve fat loss and that's in that way. But there is a fine line and it's like obviously if someone's coming to me and they're you know, in, in an overweight body, um, or like in a, at a weight that's maybe impacting their health, um, definitely doable to achieve fat loss and work on your relationship with food. But it's, you know, when someone, as you said, gets to a healthy weight and wants to lose even more weight and it's not going to help, it's not going to promote, I suppose it's not going to help their health. Then it's kind of like, okay, you might not, we might not be able to achieve the two, if that makes sense
0: yeah and that's where i would stop so i would be like okay no you are at a healthy weight now what we can do is we can work on body recomposition now and we can start building muscle and while we're building muscle we can make sure that we're we're losing body fat or at least not gaining body fat um and do like a slow bulk but like i when it gets to that stage if someone gets to like a healthy weight and they're still not happy i'm like no this is relationship with food stuff yeah yeah. and um it's it's just somewhere that I won't go, yeah. um because like i I have a re- like my whole ethos, my whole belief is we are all just searching to be happy, so mm-hmm. that is like no matter what anyone's goal is, whether it is a physique goal, whether it is a health goal, whether it is weight loss, whether it's weight gain, whatever your goal is, what is the ultimate thing that that we all have in common is we all just want to be happy, yeah, whatever yeah. that means to us, and sometimes we're looking for it in the wrong places um and sometimes you can, like, I, and I do believe that people, you know, that are going for these goals for, for photo shoots or shows or whatever, it's a, it's a real achievement. Yeah. And it's, it's very much, I'm sure it's extremely fulfilling and will make them happy in the moment. And they, they can be really, really proud of themselves, but I think it's really important for them to have a good coach that can support them with the mindset and the getting back out of that. And it's yeah. just not something not an area I go
1: (laughs) yeah yeah no it's it's just very tough because it's like these people are you know it's when you're in that bodybuilding space it's obviously I've never been in in that space but I know people who are and it's like your physique is you know it's that's basically who you are like that's how you're judged that's you know how people will look at you and I think when you're very in that space you forget that that's not reality and like your your body doesn't mean that much in the real world. Like it's, it's, but it's so, like you're judged on what you look like. It's, it's, it's kind of scary in a way, but it's, it is, yeah, it's, I don't know. I just could see it's so understandable why someone with disordered eating or bad body image would go into that space because it is socially acceptable to do these things, to get up, do fasted cardio, eat very little, blah, blah, blah. It's seen as dedication when really it could be, eating disorder you know yeah what do you do
0: with clients when um so if a client comes to you and like that you can kind of recognize this disordered eating going on and they have these kind of goals like how how do you work
1: with them so I'll chat to someone like about like let's say their goals and what they want to achieve and I've had people on calls who I simply don't work with because I'm like okay I'm not going to, like, I could have someone come to me who's already in a very lean physique, could potentially not have a period, could be under eating, but they're coming to me being like, okay, I want to lose weight or like, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, I just, I'm up front to them. And I'm like, I'm not going to help you lose weight because that is not what you need to do right now. Like you don't have a period. You're potentially underweight for your body. And with people like that, you can't, there's some people who are like whoa okay I needed to hear that let's let's work together and like regain my period and you know heal my relationship with food and body image and then there's other people who are like I'm no I'm not going to you because I and I say to them I'm like someone else will take you on and put you in a fat loss phase and get a nice progress picture but like where is your health going to be and you know you and a, a, there's one girl I can think of and this the exact thing happened where she came to me I was like look you're not in a position to go into fat loss. It's not healthy. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not going to help you lose body fat. I, I it wouldn't be ethical for me, you know? And she was like, okay, that's fine. I'm, so she got another coach. They obviously helped her lose body fat. And she was back to me in six months in a much worse position and was like, you were right. But the thing about that is the person needs to realize that themselves so like people you can't like if someone is driven to lose more weight or you know isn't in the headspace to heal their relationship with food because they're just like I wasn't for years I was like no I that that's all bullshit sorry I don't know if I'm allowed to curse Um, (laughs) yes you're right yeah I was kind of like you know no I have my goal I want to lose x amount of weight and no one can stop me and until I realized for myself that okay this isn't gonna fulfill me then I changed but like it's very hard to get in someone's head and you know explain to them that you don't need to lose more weight your weight is not the issue people do kind of need to decide that they want to change themselves because with disordered eating or you know this kind of thing it's you have to decide every day that you're going to try and overcome it because we eat multiple times a day so every time you're eating something You have to decide, Okay, am I going to choose my disordered eating brain or am I going to, you know, do what I know I need to do to recover my relationship with food? And it's exhausting because you're constantly having to choose to recover or to choose the the healthier option, not the healthier, like the the option for your goal. So it's like, does that make sense? Like every meal you have to decide. Do you know what? Uh, Like, I think that's so relatable.
0: To a lot of people, what you've just said there. So you're talking, obviously, maybe people recovering from eating disorders or people with disordered eating where they find they eat, eat very little. But this is also really true for I would have a lot of clients that would um, struggle with binge eating. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, an emotional eating. And it's yeah. the same thing in every eating sitting is making that choice yeah. like to literally take it one meal at a time is this going to make me feel good yeah. is this helping me towards my goals uh, but yeah. also as well as that not attaching guilt to if things don't go according to plan yeah. and it's just it's exhausting and it's constant and it's a slow process um but it's so worth it to yeah. to really put in that time and it is fixable but it's so interesting to really hear it from the other side yeah. that you know, there are a lot of people who struggle with overeating, but that there are other people that are are like, okay, I
1: have to eat now. Yeah, yeah. And 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 what I say to people with that, like, as you have to con- consistently decide to show up for yourself, or whether that's undereating, or like whether that's trying to, you know, reduce emotional eating or eat more, they're both very similar. And what I say to people is like, you're not trying to limit, like, ex- cut it out because that's not realistic. You're just trying to decrease the frequency that it happens. So like if you emotionally eat five times this week instead of six like that's that's progress you know people are like oh I emotionally ate today and you know I'm trying not to and it's like yeah but you didn't yesterday or like you didn't last week when you had a you know and, and I think that's really important for people to to realize but this whole idea of like there's so much disordered eating in the world like and like binge eating is so common like nowadays and like at the end of the day it's it's that person's coping mechanism and whether that's some people will will binge eat and some people will under eat and I think it's really there's there's a lot of stigma I think around binge eating and a lot of shame and like I was chatting to someone about this the other day but it's like you know when someone's under eating it's nearly more like oh like you know not that it's more socially acceptable but it's like I think it just comes under that diet culture kind of thing you know it's like it's it's not as people are much more shamed about binging. When,
0: when I think so too. I don't know. Yeah. Is it that people think like, oh, look at the the restraint she has, or yeah. something? You know, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's really really warped. Like when you think about it, um, yeah. and it's funny. Like I was talking to a client about this the other day, and about emotional eating, and really, um, or I'm sorry, binge eating, and how binge eating really is emotional eating, mm. and how it really comes down like as you said it's a a coping mechanism some people use alcohol some people use drugs some people use sex some people use food it depends on what or some people use exercise as well so like everyone has different coping mechanisms but what it actually really comes down to like on a fundamental level and I'm saying this as if it's an easy thing and it's not and it's probably a lifelong endeavor is trying to get to the root of your pain like is literally what it is. It's emotionally what like you actually have to start feeling your pain in order to release it and and to heal yourself and to be free. And whether that is with a therapist, some people do probably do need to go to therapy for that. Some people don't. Some people just need to start journaling or some people need to start, you know, talking it out with someone. Some people just maybe need to work with a coach like me or you to just be able to work through those thoughts and and just see things from a different perspective but I do think that putting habits in place every day like okay before you eat you're going to go for a walk and try and walk out your emotion a little bit or you're yeah. going to journal how you feel mm-hmm. or like I know I've one another client who doesn't like to journal how she feels because it makes her feel worse yeah and like okay journal one thing that you're proud of today or one thing you're grateful for and like so I would only always just give make people do one you know a lot of coaches do like oh do three or five I feel like sometimes you're faking it you're just making it up sometimes if you to list five things it's like find one win from today or one thing you're grateful for one thing that you're proud of and people forget how far they've come as well but I do think like making that been like okay before you eat anything this evening you need to journal yeah and I think that's a really good first step. And if the journaling ends up too painful, then maybe it is a case of going to a therapist for a while. Like I've, I've been through therapy. I heard you say you have, like most people have yeah. Yeah. and it's, it's life changing and there's a lot to be said for it. Um, But I do think that we're all just trying to escape our pain and we have to actually sit with it. Like we have to feel it, yeah. whether that yeah. pain is anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's trauma, whether it's grief, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, everyone has mm-hmm. their own story. And That's not to make little of anyone's pain. Saying, oh, everyone has pain. You know, I know some people's pain is a lot worse than others. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking emotional pain, obviously. But we we have to feel it to get through
1: it. Yeah. And like everyone's like trauma or pain or whatever they're experiencing is is relative to them, you know. So like no matter how quote-unquote like I know a, a big thing in like the eating disorder space is like I'm not sick enough or like my my disordered eating isn't too bad like it could be way worse and it's like well it all someone's always going to be worse off like no matter how how unwell someone is or how much they're struggling there's always going to be someone worse off um so I think no matter how small your disordered eating is or how much it's impacting I, I just think every like you you deserve to work on it you know like it's and and then there's this kind of argument of like well what is normal eating like are we all a bit disordered because we're all so like has has society kind of you know all the branding of food the low calorie low fat like messages online it's it's kind of sometimes i question myself because i've obviously been very disordered in the past and come such a long way now and i i i question a lot of my i see i'm i'm quite i'm just very self-aware so everything i decide i probably overthink of it too much but i'm like well why am i choosing this option or why am i choosing that option you know
0: yeah that's a really good way to be um, so young as well, to be that self-aware and to question yeah. that, because I'd say there's a lot of people, you know, and that's not just for our eating, it's just for life in general. And kind of all of our decisions, how much, especially how society has changed in recent years uh, with social media and like how we are influenced without even realizing we're being influenced yeah. that um, the decisions that we do make, like why, yeah, why are we making these decisions? Why do we want to be this way? Why do we want to eat that or, yeah. um, but I do think in relation to eating and to getting like, you know, the right kind of healthy mindset towards food, in my opinion, is to view it as fuel. Yeah. Being like your body, you need to learn to love you. You need to learn to love your body and that mm-hmm. your bo- and everything that your body has been through and stuck with you through. And we all have stories of, you know, yeah. of how we haven't been so kind to our bodies. And then it's like, OK, I need to fuel my body needs this fuel, like my car needs oil and petrol. Yeah. Yeah. It's like in order for my body to carry me so that I can do all the wonderful things I want to do in life and mm-hmm. to help. And so that I can like, as I believe, believe as well, life is very much we're here to contribute, you know, mm-hmm. that we have to be true to ourselves, look after ourselves so we can contribute to the world. You yeah. yeah. can't do that if you're not fueling yourself properly. Yeah. And yeah. that that I I believe like so strongly is the healthy mindset towards food.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think like at the end of the day, like eating Eating well is an act of self-care. So if someone isn't, doesn't feel good in themselves, very low self-worth, you know, usually their diet doesn't align. Like, you know, if someone is very happy in themselves, they'll usually be fueling themselves properly, you know, because it's like I care for my body, I want it. And it's kind of subconscious, but like someone who may be experiencing depression or like really bad anxiety, usually their diet isn't where it needs to be, whether that's they're not eating enough or they're not eating foods that are serving them or they're they're overeating and not you know so I think it's 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 very deep it goes quite deep in terms of like some people might undereat because they subconsciously feel like they don't deserve food and then other people it's like they hate their body so why would they they may as well just eat the pack of biscuits because you know so I think it does come down to as you said you know self-care fueling yourself and like knowing that your body deserves that you know and that's quite hard if you're not feeling good in yourself
0: exactly and I was just going to say that to anyone listening who who doesn't feel good in themselves and it's like yeah that's all well and good but I don't love my body I don't really love myself and I struggle with that like you know it's what it's easy for you guys to say I'm like but I think the fact that you're listening to this and that you're aware of where your mindset is 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 the first step and yeah. I think whether your path is to to work through this yourself or with a professional the first step is just to create space for yourself every day, whether it's five minutes I have a lot of busy moms that listen to the podcast. So Mm -hmm. they're like, you know, they, that's nearly their number one struggle. is creating that space for themselves, but Mm -hmm. like that space doesn't have to be, you know, sitting down meditating "Hmm," or whatever. Like Like, um, it could be a walk. It could be a bath. It could be literally just, yeah, reading before bed. It could be journaling. It could be, taking time to plan your meals for the week, whatever it is, whatever your act of self-care is, but we have got to start creating that little bit of space so yeah. that we can grow. And so we can grow that love for ourselves. But like that, we we have to feel our pain. We have to create the space to give ourselves that time to heal and like it's not a race like we have to stop putting time limits on all our goals and we were talking a little bit about business goals there before we started it's the same thing with our health and our well-being it's like this is a lifelong game we have the rest of our lives to discover who we are and to improve our relationship with ourselves so what's the rush like just because someone down the road seems to have it it all figured out like first of all I guarantee they haven't you know like we're me and you talking now we're talking about what we know but that doesn't mean we've everything else figured out. You know, we're talking no, about things that, that we might have worked a bit through ourselves. No one has it all figured out. Yeah. And, yeah. but the step to to stop being stuck is creating the space yeah, in your day. Yeah. Five minutes, yeah. 10 minutes, whatever you can.
1: Mm-hmm. And also like with that, like people who are like, I really don't like my body. I, I'm never going to feel confident or I'm never going to be happy in myself. Like, I think there's this huge pressure and idea that we need to like, Love our body and like love what we look like, think it's you know, think we're amazing, feel really confident. Like, if you take that pressure off and just be like, actually, do you know what? I just want to get to a place where I I'm just like I accept it. I don't love it, don't hate it, but like it is what it is. That's so much less daunting and so much more achievable for so many people. Because you don't have to love your body to live a happy and fulfilling life and to do everything that you need to do. Like, okay, you Ideally, you don't want to be hating it and like, you know, bashing yourself. But if you just come to a place of like, okay, I don't I don't love what I look like, but I'm I'm actually just accepting that, Okay, it allows me to do what I need to do. It has potentially, you know, allowed me to have my kids. It allows me to travel the world, like thinking about it in a very different way, in a functional way is much more achievable than being like, I'm going to feel super confident and put up bikini pictures on Instagram. Yeah, that's not first of all, it's not realistic for a lot of people because I don't think most people don't feel confident being half naked on the internet and secondly like social media is a fake thing like it's it's not reality and like just bring yourself back to the present and be like if social media didn't exist like would I have this pressure who like I would not be comparing myself either to all these other people um so yeah I think just taking that pressure off feeling the need to have to be confident you don't like you can live the life you want to live and not be in love with your body you know yeah and that that's a really good point to
0: make and also as well like at, at a fear like at a risk now getting a little bit too deep but there's like there's a difference between you and your body Like even the fact that you say my body you know what I mean that yeah. you can still be okay you know I've um, my body's a work in progress I'm yeah. not 100% happy with it I look in the mirror and I don't particularly like what I look or what, what I see I'm like all right okay but that's not you like that so your self worth yeah. you yeah. like the who you are as a person your energy everything you have to offer the world has yeah. nothing to do with your body your body is the vehicle that helps you express you
1: yeah
0: yeah and at the end of the day like bodies are <laughs> bodies are gonna sag they're gonna get stiff and old looks are going to fade. Um. But we want to keep them as healthy and as functional as strong, so that we, as people, as our, like our, so each and every one of us gets to express our truth and contribute. Like that's what I think is important.
1: Yeah, no, that's and 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 that's why, like, you know, how much a person suffers with body image will come down to how much they place their worth on it. So, like, yeah. a bodybuilder or like I have a client who's a model, um, or someone who yeah some people who are in a environment that makes them feel like their appearance is the most important thing they're usually the people that will struggle the most or maybe they're just around friends and family who are always chatting about bodies and like commenting on other people's bodies yeah like you know it's it's your environment is a huge dictator of your body image and how you view yourself like if you're around people who you know it's never you you never even speak about your bodies and it's all just you know chatting about I don't know other things I didn't like space (laughs) like you know you're not life and yeah yeah things
0: like that yeah yeah
1: so I think that's that's quite important and that will be hugely linked to your social media feed as well like who are you consuming because such a big part of body image is our environment and people are so oblivious like I was looking at one of my friends tiktoks like her feed and I was like I would feel so terrible about myself if this was my for you page, you know? So like, just unfollow or mute anyone that like, you've contr- complete control over what you consume online. Um, and, you know, take that responsibility. And like, I know people are like, no, like I like following ex influencer. And it's like, you don't need to see what they're doing. If they make you feel terrible, just get rid of them, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd love
0: to start diving into a little bit about your story. So, um, you said that you suffered with an eating disorder from the age of fourteen. Yeah. So, could you want would you be okay with sharing a little bit about your story and you know you saying about environment and stuff like that? What triggered this and what,
1: what? Yeah, what your story was was? Yeah. Like. Yeah. No. Definitely. So I always kind of say that I, you know, it was kind of fourteen when I was diagnosed with my eating disorder and, um. I suppose that's kind of when I hit my rock bottom was when I was 14, but my, my eating disorder started way before that. It was just not, I'd say, you know, it wasn't clinically quote unquote extreme, which that's silly. It's just the health system that is a bit flawed in that sense. But I, um, I, from the age of seven or eight, I remember having thoughts, very negative thoughts about my body and, feeling very self-conscious and then it was when I was about nine or ten that started to transfer over to my eating behaviors and I was I started to comfort eat a lot which is like very sad because I was only nine or ten and I didn't realize this at the time but like looking back now I can kind of reflect on it but yeah my relationship with food it definitely stemmed from a young age but it was only when I was 14 that it was like You know, very clinically relevant to like be diagnosed with something, but I think it shouldn't have to get to that stage. You know, if I had received support, I was very unaware like what was happening when I was ten. But I could have definitely, if I received the support sooner, I think the journey would have been much easier. Um, but I didn't, and I suppose a lot of people don't either. Um, so yeah, it it it's definitely I've definitely not been I've been quite an anxious child. Um, anxious teenager still am quite an anxious person in general but that it definitely did stem from that age and then when I was like 12 or 13 I got in I started secondary school and I think a combination of factors first of all something like anorexia you are it's a genetic not not even genetic well it is genetic like you either have the genetics your predisposition to it or you're not and like some people will that's why some people will diet and get very very lean and will never will come out of it fine and other people won't you know it's the genetic predisposition um so genetics environment um personal factors like characteristics like I'm quite a perfectionist in ways and a lot of people who who have disordered eating or under well I suppose more so anorexia are very perfectionist like so there's a lot of things going on there that can contribute to a person developing it but um yeah so I started secondary school due to all the factors I kind of discussed you know like there's lots going on um I did start to really decrease my food really increase my activity and it was all a coping mechanism like that's what anorexia is it's a complete coping mechanism you completely numb everything around you and you know this is I wasn't conscious of this but Subconsciously, I was focusing in on this one goal of getting smaller, eating less, moving more, and I was just by by the time I had reached my rock bottom, I was numb to the world. Like nothing mattered, just my activity and my my food intake. And like if you take a, obviously it's extremely unhealthy, but it really served me in that time in a sense of it did block out everything I wanted to block out, and I didn't have to deal with issues that were going on in my life because you know everyone around me was okay we need to pause and we need to like Jen is really unwell and like not not me in like a way of everyone care for me but it was like everything had to be put on pause. Like I didn't go to school anymore. I didn't sit my junior cert. Like life was on pause. I was put into hospital I was in a bubble like I was there was people there caring for me and like it is a coping mechanism and I think a lot of people don't understand that they think anorexia is just I just want to be super skinny and it's like I actually didn't I had the most horrific body image when I was extremely you know underweight and stuff and I didn't really care I just wanted I just liked the control of getting smaller and the idea that I was getting smaller but I actually felt very self-conscious in my body and I there was times I knew I was too thin but I didn't care. It was like, no, I just still want to keep losing. It was that like focus, if that makes sense. So um yeah, sorry, that's kind of a ramble, but
0: no, yeah. there's just so much information there. Yeah. Um and well, I'm so sorry that you've been through all of that. Like that's such a such a hard journey to go through so young. Yeah. Um so like the first thing I suppose that strikes me there is like seven or eight, like yeah. that is shockingly young to start having a negative body image. Yeah. But then it's probably not like I say, it's shockingly young as we, we we're sitting here. But I presume if you looked at the statistics, it's probably quite normal nowadays. Yeah. Um, like and I, this is kind of I find this absolutely fascinating. And I kind of I want to learn so much about it because I, I have a 10 year old daughter myself. So yeah. um, obviously, you know, any parents listening want to protect their daughters from um from this kind of this body image issues that that is kind of taking over a little bit so like what do you know now looking back what triggered you to have those negative body image thoughts like at age seven or eight like what were you exposed to that made you think that
1: do you know like not necessarily I think a huge thing like for any parents maybe listening is like just leading by example with your kids is a huge thing like mirroring a, a like kids are so quick and like if you're you know maybe dieting or you have slightly disordered eating like kids pick up on that and i think that's that's a huge motive for a lot of people actually to improve their relationship with food it's like be well for their kids and like you know mirror a happy and healthy relationship with food i know for i i think a huge protector is to you know have a home where your 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 home is a healthy and happy place with food you know you, you have your balanced meals you there's nothing off limits but it's everything is like in moderation and i think that's huge like helping your child develop that healthy relationship with food and exercise too um but for me like i think it just came down to like there's just I, it's, it's hard to pinpoint it. It is it is hard because it's, a lot of people will say, oh, there, there was one cause. There was one moment. And after that, then she developed anorexia. And some people think, oh, someone called her fat or someone did this. And then she just, that's not how it works. Like it's a combination of so many things. And, you know, it could be that, you know, there's issues at home or, you know, maybe someone's bullied at school or maybe they're just a very anxious child maybe they like it's it's very hard to pinpoint but I think it's just a combination of things and then obviously social media obviously I wasn't on social media but even like music videos and um things like that there's there's a lot um but it's it's a it's a very it's a very very complex condition and like there is no one cause. And I, I know, I do meet people who think there's this one cause and she experienced, she developed that because X called her fat or yeah, rather bad.
0: No, it's way more complex than that. And it's interesting yeah. you say like as well about media and stuff, not even social media, but like, I know myself, like as I, you know, I was born in the mid 80s. So kind of grew up, I was, would have been a kid in the 90s and the, you know, and a teenager in the 2000s, in the early 2000s. um, And I think like, body image like a huge part to play for anyone my age was you know the tv shows we were watching on nickelodeon or whatever and you know everyone was skinny and good looking and you know like i was reading stuff like sweet valley high and um you know it was it was all really like you know about this perfect thin tanned kind of body image and then yeah. as I got a little bit older you know it was it was people like Kate Moss there was Nicole Ritchie, Paris Hilton these kind of stick yeah. thin yeah. model like people that um this was supposed to be the idea of attractive and so I would have started picking up on that from a very young age and then like my upbringing then like you know I had a, I had a really great childhood you know and um, my parents are fantastic but my mum would have always been on a diet yeah. Because again, she was kind of victim of this whole diet culture thing yeah. too. So it was always, you know, weight watchers or some type of, you know, like she, I remember she had Mr. Motivator exercise video on at home and, you know, this kind of stuff. And she was always, and like, I remember even like from quite a young teenager, I know my mom doesn't listen to the podcast, so it's fine. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, she used to say to me, oh do I look fat do I look huge in this yeah she'd all constantly be asking me that and she'd be in yeah. front of the mirror and um uh, and I'd be like no you're grand or I'd be like oh yeah you're all right you know yeah as a teenager you'd be kind of mean to your mother she'd be like, what? What? you know and she'd be like, oh am I huge oh am I huge like and she still yeah. does it now yeah um and it, it's funny like I, I'd be so careful not to do that to my daughter now yeah like yeah. I will, I'll put something on, I'll be like, does this look okay on me? You know, and I say it like that. Does this look nice? And she'd be like, no, it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, things that we don't even realize no. could trigger. Now, it didn't trigger any eating disorder in me, but it yeah. did trigger this preoccupation for a long
1: time with body image. Yeah, no, it's, um, kids are so, I, I like to think of kids like they're, it's like a blank canvas, like, you know you you say something and they just pick up on it and then that's obviously they look up to their parents as god like you know so anything that your mum might say it's like gold you know so to a certain I age think, and then they think you're yeah, an absolute true. loser <laughs> true. that's very true but um but yeah no it's it's I suppose like part of me thinks that no matter what had happened in my life I probably would have developed anorexia at some stage. If I didn't develop it at 14, it could have been 24. You know what I mean? Like I think everyone has their thing. Obviously it might not be to that extreme, but you know, some people suffer with their mood for throughout life and other people are very anxious and some people might, you know, it there's lots of different things, but um at the end of the day like it's got it's changed me as a person. Like it's I wouldn't like to do it again, but I wouldn't take it back either, you know. Um but yeah it's it's the god eating disorders are just so prevalent nowadays and in particular binge eating and it's the most common eating disorder and like it's as we were chatting about before like it's not spoken about because it's just like people are so much more ashamed of it and it's just as debilitating and exhausting and upsetting as anorexia as bulimia as anything like that um so yeah I'm trying to think now what 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 the question even was that you had asked oh
0: I didn't even know at this stage but actually I do have another question that I um that I kind of want in relation to we were kind of talking about the cause of like what you thought kind of triggered how you um how you kind of ended up going down this road with an eating disorder but and like we were just talking there about media but I'd love to talk to you a little bit about growing up with social media because, and I talked to, to Troy a bit about this as well, because yeah. um, obviously when I was a teenager, there wasn't any social media. So um, and like I didn't, like mm-hmm. phones didn't, weren't even like mobile phones weren't even a thing really for ordinary people until I was in, like I was 14 or something before I got a phone. And even at that, it was text message calls and like we played snake on our phones. That was all. So yeah. um, yeah. growing so social media has been something that, I've never had to grow up with or deal with. So, you know, any of the mistakes I've made along the way, even in my early twenties, you know, there's no document of that. only the people that were there will know about, you know, know the stories and we've got great stories, me and my friends over the years, but I think the pressures, so the pressures then to feel to to look a certain way. Weren't that, yeah, you had the, the, TV and magazines and things like that yeah. played a huge part but it wasn't it, like when I went home it was a safe place I yeah. stuck on my DVD and I watched Friends or whatever I watched you know in the evening time yeah. and I got a break from it all
1: yeah whereas
0: yeah. people growing up now and I'm very, very aware of it with my own kids I've a 13 year old and a 10 year old I have a five year old as well we don't, so he's not uh, a worry just yet but my 13 year old and 10 year old both have phones now and 10 is very young she does have a phone I know but um so they did they are exposed to more Yeah, and I've just wanted your take on growing up with social media and how that affected your mental health
1: yeah I think it just like I just remember in in secondary school like everything kind of revolved around social media and like I just think our lives are so different with it like everything you do the motive of like your motive to do a lot of things when when I was in secondary school was because of social media like you'd go to these discos you'd wear this thing certain thing or you do this certain thing because you wanted to get a picture for social media or you wanted to like you nearly wouldn't bother doing a lot of things if social media wasn't there you know and I think that's even worse now it's like everyone is doing everything just to document it online um it's yeah it's the pressure and the comparison I think the comparison is huge like I think like you said when you were growing up it was just like these models and these people on on tv you might have seen but you kind of knew that yeah but they're not like me like as in like they're these famous people and all you saw was just the people around you and you knew everyone else was ordinary and like but I think here like now it's like everyone that you are, are around has their perfect life on social media. So you're comparing the girl that you went to school with with the exact same upbringing as you. And she has, she's making X amount of money or she's traveling and you're just here. Like, so I I think that the main issue with it is just the comparison. I think that's just, it's so toxic and I'm, I'm, I think everyone is a victim of it, but it's, it's just very hard to look at someone who, you know, you've, you know, And they're like, they might be doing more than you or they might look quote unquote better than you. And I think, yeah, I I, I think that's the main problem with the social media is the comparison. And now we've TikTok as well. I didn't have, we didn't have TikTok when I was in secondary school. So I think that's even worse again, to be honest. Do you think? Because
0: um, you know the way Instagram
1: yeah. is very kind of picture perfect and it's like
0: everyone just shows their highlighted reels of, you know, highlights yeah. of and perfect pictures of their lives. And I feel like it, you know, it's something we can teach our kids. People are only showing you the best parts, you know, that not yeah. everyone's life is perfect. And then I suppose the whole point of TikTok was supposed to be kind of or like pick up your phone, make a video do a yeah. dance or whatever and it was supposed to be more fun and yeah. ordinary but yeah if you think it's taken
1: a turn now I think in a way like I'm probably ignorant to like I follow people that I make me feel good and my for you page is very wholesome and like because that's what I consume but like I said when I was looking at my friends pages like I forget that there's all this toxic information of like do this to lose x amount of weight or like drink this and don't like none of that comes up on my page so i'm thinking oh like you know maybe we're going in the right direction here and then i'm like wait no i just don't consume that you know that's true um, actually tiktok is such a reflection of your
0: own mindset isn't it yeah. because the way the yeah. algorithm works so, so like my news feed would be kind of similar to yours my for, for you page that it's like it's all like motivational videos yeah. or it'll be fitness tips but like it'll be fitness people that i like you know or it'll yeah. be Like it'll be spiritual stuff or personal growth stuff. Like that's literally what my page is all about. And then the odd, like, you know, like music will come up, like, you know, if I, if I stop and watch a song or something, then another, you know, so that's literally mine is like music and, um, mindset and fitness. Um, but if someone's got a really negative mindset towards a certain thing and they're watching videos that are re are reconfirming their beliefs, like I suppose Mm -hmm. it can be really, really harmful and really brainwashing.
1: like the algorithm is so powerful so like i know if i was 13 or 14 and i had tiktok i'd probably be looking up how to lose weight in fast or like you know these kind of things and then you know the algorithm will grip onto that and that's all you'll be seeing and it's like no wonder people you know are are struggling but like i think i am very aware that i'm very i don't i actually don't see any of that i kind of forget that it's still there um but that's because I'm so self-aware and you are as well and you know these things but you know a 15 year old girl is not is going is going to believe that stunning looking model that's 25 and promoting lemon water you know what I mean like it's it's um so I do think social media plays a huge part in people suffering and just not feeling good in themselves and I think it has a huge huge it is probably a huge factor in why people mental health is so bad nowadays but I don't know I think it's 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 your own responsibility as a person to realize that and then do something about it like don't play it don't be the victim to it like do something you know that okay this is making me feel bad you have the choice to either some people just delete their Instagram or they make it a space that they like you know but you have that power you 100% have the power not to be surrounded by that because i'm living proof like i don't see anything toxic because i don't invest in that you know
0: yeah no I've, I've noticed a lot of people deleting their instagram and TikTok. actually a lot of young people um that i you know like people that i I've, I've worked with and stuff you know that um have said that that they're not on tiktok i just presume every young person when I say young person i'm like someone in there like or, or, like early to mid 20s i'm talking about yeah. um I just presume they're all on TikTok but a lot of young people have deleted it yeah and Instagram and, they, and it just shows and like which is great if that's what makes them happy but then you see people delete it and then they t- get it back delete because they feel like they're missing out on something and yeah. it, it's like just to actually te- like you said take control yeah. of your news feed make it something that you can learn from because there's yeah. a lot of people out there putting out a lot of good like you know and like I always just see stuff like, you know, I don't try to think off the top of my head, you know, I like would see stuff like, you know, I get lots of um like Oprah will come up on it or, you know, yeah. David Goggins or um I try. Yeah, like any of like Deepak Chopra, that kind of like, so I've got all this really kind of or like Gary Vaynerchuk or stuff like that yeah. will always come up on my newsfeed rather than some idiot filling you full of shit but you just it is it takes a bit of time it's probably I don't know how how easy but I think if you start watching the right videos on TikTok you don't even need to curate it it will start showing you more of the right things or a perfect example of this is on TikTok because I am so aware of this algorithm and I'm like it won't control me so if I'm scrolling and if I see like I hate Conor McGregor I re- yeah. like I just you know he boils my blood yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh. so um if he comes up on my news feed I'm like oh go pack, pack yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 I'm yeah. like I do not want to see another Conor McGregor video <laughs> like fast yeah. as quick as I can yeah yeah but like honestly if you're if your feed is like really negative at the minute do like look search something really positive and then if you watch that video it'll like more, way, yeah, yeah it'll give you more of that so even if that's something that someone does today just look up I don't know how to love yourself that's so cliche but like something like that or like self-care tips
0: yeah self-care tips um healthy habits to introduce into your life yeah things like that exactly
1: yeah Yeah. um I think that or watch one of my videos or Jenny's videos. yeah Yeah. just just follow us and then like watch our videos watch our videos yeah 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 no but I I think it's it's very difficult but you do have the power to change that and to Because you don't have to be impacted by it if you don't want to be. But it's, I think most people aren't aware of that. They think that this is just the way it is. And I, I feel shit because I'm the issue, but no, it's not like, it's what you're consuming is making you feel bad. Yeah. No,
0: I think you're fantastic at the
1: amount of self-awareness that
0: you have now at 22, like from what you've been through, like, you know, and to like it in now that you're here, it's such a blessing to be able to, to take what you've learned from a really horrible situation that you went through and be like, I have this to take with me for the rest of my life and to continue to grow. Um, So would you mind sharing a little bit with us then about like your recovery? So you said that you ended up in hospital at age 14, Mm -hmm. was it? You were in hospital.
1: How long were you in hospital for? So I was in hospital for, I went in initially the first time for a week and like basically refused like I was like like I said before the person has to want to recover themselves so I refused I was like I'm not doing this in my head I was like these people just want to make me gain loads of weight and blah blah blah. like I was completely in denial that I had any problem and I basically I was refusing everything so like they were like okay she needs to like my parents took me out after a week went in again six months later in a worse position um but again I maybe that's what had to happen you know I had to like realize I can't do this on my own this is too terrible so went in then again August 2016 yeah so it's seven years this like this August which is crazy um and oh my god still still very much in denial except it wasn't to be honest I didn't have the energy to even fight back and also I was like what else like I was so at bottom that it was like either like I had no it's deep but I didn't have a will to live like I was just like I'm so so low and so desperate I will honestly just it's either this or what like you know so I stayed and I stayed for I was in there for 14 weeks and like oh my god traumatic experience but like it. it it did save my life in a way like well it did save my life um but the hospital I was in like I wasn't in it wasn't like a general ward like it was an eating disorder adolescent mental health unit so I was there was 14 there's 14 beds in total so it was people with eating disorders depression anxiety um like obviously like very severe like depression and anxiety and then um things like schizophrenia or like bipolar just all kind of um mental health disorders of young people who were like in a really bad position um and very strange space to be in because you're you know i was 14 i was at home, i was just taken out of my home thrown in this place was just living there for, like you know my parents would visit every weekend or whatever but like oh my god absolutely terrifying um but there's it's crazy because you're in a you're in an environment with so many unwell young people. And like you just like I, you just gain these connections with people that like it's just like it's like no other. Everyone is so unhappy. And yet I just made such incredible friends there, you know. Um, but it's that was terrifying. And I don't think I would be where I am without it there are flaws within the system I will say because you have to be x weight maybe to access certain services which I think is very wrong um but I was forced to eat in there forced like obviously not to an extent of like you know they're not feeds feeding you you have to eat the food but like if you don't you don't get to you you, you don't get visitors you not that you get punished but like it's the only way to like yeah. make someone eat you know but you'd eat a meal and then you wouldn't be allowed to go to the bathroom for two hours after. So you'd be watched for two hours because, you know, you could go into the bathroom, you might start doing jumping jacks or, you know, doing something like that's how crazy your mind is. So you're watched, you have to sit, you have to sit with that horrifically full stomach. You know, you're gaining weight. It's your biggest fear. Like you would rather, I know I would have rather, essentially I would have rather died than gain weight. And that is how, scary the illness is like it's your biggest fear is food and yet you have to conquer it six times a day you have to eat it and you have to sit with it and it's so distressing um but yeah that was my so I, I spent 14 weeks there and then when I left that was only really the beginning of my recovery I had to go out into the real world and now I had to get back to life like I was like I said I was in that complete bubble I had blocked out all my the issues that were going on and now I had to deal with them and I had to not use food as a coping mechanism anymore and that was a long journey like I would say it's only probably since I was nine like 19 was when I really started to like live my life like become Jen again kind of thing you know and actually I don't know if I was ever like so cringy you might sound cringy but I actually don't think I ever knew who I was because I was so young when I first started to experience disordered eating and it's only in the recent years that I'm like fully living for me you know um I I missed out on a lot with my eating disorder and I yeah but that's that was kind of my I don't know if you have any questions about the hospitals there's so much there but like it was it was an experience to say the least
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. Like, I'm sure it's not easy for you to talk about that either. Um, and yeah. So like, I really do appreciate you sharing. Do you kind of feel like now where you got to in your life now that you've reconnected with the little girl you used to be?
1: Definitely. Like, I feel like there's this gap of like, from the age of let's say 12 to like 18. I was very, even like 10 to 18, to be honest, I was so unhappy and now I'm feeling more back to like the 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 happy Jen when she was a child and like it it is really nice like I in therapy we do like some inner child work and we're always kind of like I talk about like when there's a time I was truly happy and like I remember when I was like five or six I was such a happy little child you know and I I definitely do feel connected to that person again I think your child like your child self is so important to kind of think about especially when you're trying to be kind to yourself you know it's like how would I speak to her but I do feel like I'm getting back to my true you know my true self um which is which is really nice yeah
0: no it's um I think all that inner child work is so powerful and it's funny like my story would be very different to yours but I would have had um a good block of my early 20s where I had severe anxiety like really bad panic attacks panic disorder it was you know kind of took over my life a little bit and like that then kind of even the years afterwards, you know, like I would have kind of probably used kind of like, you know, binge drinking at the weekends and stuff as a way, kind of a cycle of coping mechanism and still kind of stuck in an anxious cycle without realizing. And I just find it's really only in the past couple of years. I feel like like you just said there and you're so lucky that you get to feel it so young. Yeah. And um, that I feel like I'm back to I, for, for, at first it was like I feel like I am fi- I finally know who I am. Yeah. But then after doing the inner child work, it's like, no. I feel like I've reconnected with that little five or and again same age five or six yeah. year old girl before yeah. the world corrupted her, and yeah. that's not to put the blame on anyone else, but it's yeah. obviously totally my rea- my own natural reactions to the world, yeah. but before I had a chance to become anxious and to you know to care about and worry about everything that was going on around me, it's yeah. like now I finally feel connected back, yeah, and I had to go through some really tough times in order to get there. Yeah. but like this is why I believe that everything we go through is for a reason and yeah. if we can get to that mindset and be like okay I have learned something from this and now I can help others with it
1: yeah
0: then it was worth it
1: yeah no for sure like I wouldn't change any of it for the world like as I said I wouldn't do it again but no, no, it's um it really does make you the person you are like it, it's I think everyone goes through difficult periods at different stages in life like some people might have a an amazing like teenage like stage and then like you really suffer in your 20s you know so you know if you are someone that is like in that dark place like it is serving you in a way obviously that's very difficult to think about but yeah. like you will come out a much like a better person and you'll you'll know a lot more about yourself I think getting over a mental health issue is like one of the most it's just you can read I I always say like you could read as much self-development self-development books but like overcoming something like a mental health problem is gonna serve you a million times more. It's the most fulfilling feeling, really.
0: It it is. Not saying not
1: not recommending going
0: down the route in order to find yourself. You know, if you find but to anyone who's in in a really difficult position at the minute, there is they're like there is light at the end of the tunnel and you will find your path. And if you need help you just reach out for help and you accept the help until you're ready to take it forward yourself. And it is about sitting, making like back to this, making space for yourself, sitting with your pain, working through your pain with the help of a professional if you need to and getting to the bottom of it and then just getting to this sense of freedom. I think freedom is probably my favorite word in the whole, in the mm-hmm. whole word, whole, yeah. whole world. Um yeah, freedom, like just because like it means that word means so much to me, whether it's freedom from my anxiety, freedom from my limiting beliefs, freedom from caring what other people think, freedom from careers that I didn't yeah. want to do any more freedom from all the shoulds basically
1: yeah Yeah. that's Um, it's that's it's actually such a nice word you know it's like it's really nicer than the happiness kind of thing isn't it because it's it's because freedom is when you're when you're
0: just being your true self yeah um last question what does the word health mean to you
1: um what does the word health mean to me health probably means being okay god how would i Hard, isn't it i'll talk for a second give you
0: a minute i ask everyone this question and it's it's so lovely to hear everyone's perspective on it like there's no right or wrong answer to it yeah
1: because it's different for everyone yeah i think for me obviously you've you've physical health and mental health so i think it's about obviously doing what i need to do to to look after myself and make myself you know show up for myself to so that I'm the healthiest version of me, but also being okay with having days where I don't feel great. And like that, because like some people think, oh, health is like, you know, being the healthiest and happiest all the time. But I think that for me, it's like being okay with not being my happiest self all the time. Like having that compassion that like life is a journey and like health will, you know, your mental health will be amazing at times. It will decline at times. And same with physical health. Like you might go through, burnout and you might go through I don't know COVID or you know these kind of things and it's like it's it's about how you kind of approach that and how you pick yourself back up um I think that would for me that defines like how well I am like how can I show up for myself when I'm maybe not in the healthiest mindset um yeah I don't know does that even make sense but that does make sense and it's really good and you should share that more
0: because that it's so true like and I try and share that as much as I can it's not about being perfect all the time it's not all or nothing like and that's where a lot of us are our worst enemies and it is about like life is ups and downs weight loss and fat loss is ups and downs everything is ups and downs like that's what life is and that's what happiness is as well and just yeah Mm -hmm. really really good answer so if anyone wants to find you is Instagram the best place to do that
1: Yes. Instagram is my best place. I think to find me, I do have TikTok as well, but I'm not as consistent on TikTok. So Jenny P underscore fit is my Instagram. And if anyone wants to message me or just ask me a question, um, I'll, I'll always get back to you. So you can, you can, and do I have any other Oh, I have a podcast as well. Um, So that's called Jenny for your thoughts and that's um, on Spotify and the link is in my bio as well. So yeah, that's kind of my main, my main two things at the minute. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on to chat today. Thank you, Kate. Thanks.
0: Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope that you enjoyed the episode and you got as much out of it as I did. So before I finish up, I just want to say a few quick words on my eight-week Nourish, Move and Shine programme. So the Nourish, Move and Shine programme is group coaching specifically designed for busy ladies. So busy mums, busy professionals, a mix of both. Um, With individual check-ins each week, it has all the perks of the one-to-one coaching with the support and atmosphere and community of the group coaching. So it really is win-win. So I'm a busy working mum of three myself. So I know the challenges that you face. I know how difficult it can be to make time for yourself. Sometimes it can feel impossible. So um, I do get it. Um, It is suitable for anyone who wants to make healthy changes to their lives. So anyone from beginners to people looking for a reset and a refocus. It's not a restrictive diet. You won't get a meal plan. I don't believe in meal plans. And it's about making small changes gradually to build the foundations for lasting change. So what's included? Personalized calories and hand portions, food lists, step goals at home or gym based workouts, whichever you prefer, you'll have four work workout programs to choose from mindset work, which is a huge important part of the program, which I think sets it apart from a lot of programs out there um you'll have app access you'll be in a whatsapp group for support, which is always a fantastic resource and um great community one-to-one support through email and whatsapp so you'll have access to me one-to-one on whatsapp and um, and email as well fun challenges throughout the eight weeks measurements and progress checks every four weeks so we don't take our weight or measurements or photos every week we do it every four weeks because who has time to be doing it every week and i don't think that it's particularly beneficial to be doing it every single week but you will have your weekly check-in form to fill out and you will hear back from me individually every week so there is no hiding from me. Uh, There's no hiding in this programme, but you will always be met met with kindness, understanding and never judgment. I don't take that drill sergeant approach, but I'm very much kind of solution orientated and will help guide you for the week ahead to overcome whatever obstacles you're facing to reach your goals. So if you're interested, contact me on any of my social media, um, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook Kate Hamilton Health there's a link in the bio of each of those pages as well where you can actually sign up and um you can also do so on my website which is katehamiltonhealth.com so it runs every 8 weeks throughout the year so then as i'm recording this we are going into the current one on the 10th of July but there will also be a program starting early September and again, in late October, so there will be there'll be two more programs after. the So there'll be July, September and end of October will be the last for this year. And we will have more in the new year then again also. So I will chat to you all again soon.